Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. As we look forward to celebrating Rosh Hashanah at sundown tomorrow night and Yom Kippur next Wednesday, September 15th, Jewish scholar Professor Deborah Dashmore of the University of Michigan and the editor-in-chief of the Posen Library of Jewish Culture and Civilization is on the line to discuss how the Posen Library can add to the celebration and understanding of these holidays. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Professor Moore, tell us, what is the meaning of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? So Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, and it's a holiday that is celebrated differently from how Americans celebrate the New Year of January 1. Rosh Hashanah brings in a period of reflection, thinking back about the year that passed and thinking forward to what you would like to have happen in the the year to come. People hope, of course, for a sweet year and a healthy year, and there's a practice of dipping apples in honey as a sort of symbolic way of wishing for a sweet year. And then after Rosh Hashanah, there are these 10 days of repentance where you think about what maybe you didn't do so well over the past year, right? And, you know, people you should apologize to and and amends that you should make. And then that culminates in the holy day of Yom Kippur, which is a fast day. It's a a serious day of repentance. And I should add, even though you didn't mention it, that the fast day is followed several days later by the holiday of Sukkot, which is a very festive harvest holiday and serves as a a kind of model for our Thanksgiving ceremony. So these three holidays are intimately connected with very different kinds of moods as a way of initiating a sense of a new year. And why do Jewish people celebrate these holidays? Well, these are holidays that are mentioned in the Torah. Right? And in sacred scriptures, both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur mentioned, and then Sukkot is mentioned in the context of pilgrimage festivals. There are three of them. Probably one that, that many Americans know better is the festival of uh, Passover, right? And then there's a festival that comes 49 days later called Shavuot. So those are the three major pilgrimage festivals when there used to be a temple standing in Jerusalem. People would come up and make sacrifices at the temple, which obviously does not happen anymore. They have evolved in in many interesting and different ways. But the initial reason why Jews uh, observe these holidays 
is because they're commanded in the Torah. You mentioned dipping apples into honey. What are some of the other traditions of these holidays? Well, one of the things that you do on uh, Rosh Hashanah, in addition to apples and honey, is you often will say a blessing for the first time you've eaten something. So it's called the Shehechiyano, a blessing that says, thank you for letting me be here and appreciating this. So if you have something like pomegranates, you know, for the first time in the year, you would say a blessing over the pomegranates. There are other, of course, other foods associated with it, but the idea really is to welcome the new year with as much positive anticipation as possible, right? It's an opportunity to begin again. And, you know, in the United States, while it doesn't coincide at all with January 1, it does coincide with the school year. And there is a sense with kids going back to school, obviously they go back at slightly different times, but right around now, they're also beginning something new. And so the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah sort of fits in with the notion of a new year beginning with the school year in the American context. I'm speaking with Jewish scholar Professor Deborah Dashmore of the University of Michigan and editor-in-chief of the Posen Library of Jewish Culture and Civilization. If I'm Jewish and I want to add a little something this year, where can I find resources and information about Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah? So one of the things you could do, even if you're not Jewish, you can go to the Posen Library and it's available digitally. So if you type in Posen Library is one word, .com. It will take you there, and it's free. just have to register. And then if you want to browse around, you can type in a word like Kippur, K-I-P-P-U-R, and up will come a whole bunch of different kinds of resources, everything from a, a famous photograph by Robert Frank to stories to reflections on the meaning of the day by religious thinkers to a very practical guide by an American figure called How to Survive Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, (laughs) a survival kit. So it has enormous diversity. I should note that the Posen Library of Jewish Culture and Civilization has everything available in English. And it's an enormous translation project. So it pulls resources from, I don't know, 19, many different languages, from Amharic all the way to Yiddish. And it's all there in English so that people can discover the richness and diversity of Jewish culture and civilization. How does the Posen Library seek to give a voice to women and other underrepresented figures in Jewish life? Oh, well, there are a lot of women's voices included. Also, women as artists are included. I mentioned the the translations from different languages, and that's partly an effort to include not just the more elite male voices, the, the scholarly voices, the voices of rabbis, but the voices of ordinary individuals who made a contribution in their thought, in their writing, in certain creative ways, let's say through art or painting, 
to Jewish culture and civilization. So you have Amharic, obviously, you have Jews who are from Ethiopia represented, you have Jews from India represented, you have Jews from all parts of the of the world, South America as well as North America. It's a really wonderfully rich digital resource. As I said, posenlibrary.com and just register and browse around. You'll get hooked on the things that will pop up from your searches. And some of those translations include memoirs from Holocaust survivors. Can you tell us some about that? Oh, sure. So one of the things that's really valuable about the the Posen Library is the way in which it has memoirs of survivors who had very different kinds of experiences. So let's say a, um, a selection from a survivor like Ruth Clear, who was someone as a child managed with her mother to live through several of the camps, and they stayed together, which was pretty amazing. But they also have a memoir of a survivor who was an activist who helped people escape over the Pyrenees into Spain. So you get a, a very different kind of vision of a survivor. And these are, again, multiple voices that let one see what the experience actually was like and that it wasn't any one single experience. It was really diverse um, and individualized. I think that that's important. The textures of survival varied enormously, and yet they're they're all really important to recognize. Currently, there are five volumes of the Posen Library published. Are there more volumes coming? Oh, yes. Um, we have a volume in press. All of the volumes are published by Yale University Press. And so there's a volume five is in press. We have volume one, that is the last one that, that appeared. That covers the biblical period. And then we have modern volumes from 1750. Most of the volumes up through 2005 have been published. So, you know, we're moving, we're moving along. <laughs> this body of work represents an enormous amount of research. What has surprised you oh, yeah. most in the things that you have learned while putting this together? It varies from volume to volume. In the most recent one on the biblical period, one of the things that really surprised me was reading biblical sources together with non-biblical or what they call extra-biblical sources, which scholars know about, but most of us who aren't scholars of the biblical era don't know about, right? So, you know, there's a a wonderful letter there by a worker who writes to the governor in Palestine, the land of Israel, and he says, you know, I did all my work. I got the crops in and everything and all by the Sabbath. And then I had the cloak taken away. And this is not fair. (laughs) And all of my fellow workers will agree that I did the work. And it's a case where what you have in the Torah text is a statement that says you must return a worker's cloak to him, right? But now, when reading it in the, the Posen Library, you can see that there were actual workers that, who had this injustice done to them. So it really gives a whole new feeling for the commands 
right? That they're based in a lived reality. And I think that that's truly unusual. I've been speaking with Jewish scholar Professor Deborah Dashmore of the University of Michigan. She's also editor-in-chief of the Posen Library of Jewish Culture and Civilization. What else should we know about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or the Posen Library? You know, I think that it's valuable to recognize that these holy days, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, are celebrated by Jews in many different ways. And one of the ways in which you can appreciate that is by going to theposenlibrary.com and seeing how Jews actually observe the festival. It's not done in any one uniform way. Not only that, but because they're such important holidays, they make it into poetry, make it into references in literature. There are stories that are woven around what is assumed in the readers of these stories to be the knowledge of the significance of the holiday so that they sort of comment on the holiday in in some very poignant ways. And if I wanted to wish someone a happy Rosh Hashanah, what is the appropriate way to do that? Oh, you say Happy New Year or Shana Tova. I've been speaking with Jewish scholar Professor Deborah Dashmore of the University of Michigan and the editor-in-chief of the Posen Library of Jewish Culture and Civilization. Thank you so much for talking with us today, and Shana Tova. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the Shana Tova, and I, I wish it back to you as well. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.